We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, Her Hoopstats fans, welcome to another episode of Her Hoopstats Unplugged. As always, you're here with Megan Gower, and we are in week two of the NCAA season, but we also have some pretty big WNBA news to discuss today, so super excited to get rolling with this episode. I'm here today with Adam Vashan from our Her Hoopstats team and writer of our weekly roundup. Hey, Adam, how's it going? Hey, Megan, good to be here. Doing well. How you doing? doing well excited to have you on the pod for the first time so always excited to get a new face on here glad to be here (laughs) awesome well we're gonna get a little bit into adam's weekly roundup and his top 25 that he's putting out for the college season but to start off we got major WNBA news today so i feel like we have to start with that the WNBA announced kind of out of nowhere i was not expecting this at all today that they are updating the playoff format so i think this probably comes from a lot of the feedback that people had at the end of the season and things like that and people don't always love the single elimination games but they've pretty much entirely overhauled the playoff format so we've got a full kind of bracket going on for the playoffs now. No buys anymore. No reseeding. It's just like one versus eight, two versus seven, three versus six, and four versus five in the first round. And no more single elimination either. Three games in the first round, and then best of five in the semifinals and the finals. I think... The one thing that sticks out the most to me is in the first round, I think this is an interesting nuance, the game, so it's best of three, but the first two games are played at the highest seed, and then the second, or the third game, if needed, is played at the lower seeded team, so you're going to have, like, best of three series where the highest seed does not get a home court advantage in the winner-take-all game. Right, it's it's kind of a bizarre setup, like, that's that's one issue with it. 
And also, like, if you go to a game three, that game is on the lower seeds home court. So I think someone in our, I think maybe Calvin in our Slack channel mentioned that you could have a scenario where you have one versus eight and eight is hosting the game three against the one seed where, you know, the one seed fought and clawed all season to, you know, get that top seed yet they're playing a road game in a do or die game. So it just, it's kind of, I, you know, I appreciate that kind of the WNBA heard, you know, the concerns from, from people about the single elimination format, but the execution kind of the execution of those changes kind of left a little to be desired. So I agree. And I understand yeah. that you want to travel less, I get it, but right, it's right. really weird to do that in a, in a playoff situation. I'm curious how you feel about the getting rid of the single elimination, because I'm a little torn on this. I feel like on one hand, like I get it. It's professional playoffs. Like the best teams really should have the best chance and the single elimination does kind of take away from that a little bit. But at the same time, having some goal elimination just brings so much excitement to those first round games. It's second round games usually. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, my kind of big gripe with this is it takes away the buy, the first and second round buys. Um, I feel like it was a really, like my issue with the now old format was in the second round, you had number three and number four seeds, like the top third of the WNBA. Um, they are playing single elimination games that it seems like that those, you know, three and four seeds have deserved a bit more, like deserved a series. Uh, so that was kind of my main gripe with it. And so my, my hope was if you're going to keep eight teams in the playoffs, just change that second round to a three game series. I feel like that little tweak would have you know, would have kind of resolved those concerns. Um, and, you know, and, and for the first round, I'm, I'm fine having, I would have been fine just keeping the single elimination game. You know, uh, an eight seed, you know, if you sneak your way into the playoffs, I don't think you really earn the right to have, you know, a three or even five game series. Uh, so, and you also keep the excitement of the single elimination format. Uh, so I... And also, yeah, and so going back to, like, the buy and the double buy, like, the one seed and the two seed, yes, they get a huge advantage by avoiding the first two rounds, but they've earned that. They've earned that by being the two best teams over a 32 or typically 34 game regular season. So, um, so yeah, I was kind of a bit disappointed with kind of that aspect of it, getting rid of the buys and... Um, totally doing away with the single elimination format yeah i mean i think it just like makes getting a one or two seed less important before it was like having a bye to the semifinal that was a huge deal and now you don't really have that so it's like all right yeah you get to play a lower seeded team in that kind of opening round but there's definitely less of a, a draw to trying to finish out at the one or two spot than there was when you had this huge advantage of not having to play in the first two rounds I agree with you. I think, like, had they just took in that second round and moved that to a best of three series, that would have satisfied what most people were actually looking for. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure kind of why they, <laughs> why, why, why they did that. Um, yeah, yeah, it doesn't really, it doesn't really make, make a lot of sense, but, but it is, I mean, <laughs> I do appreciate that we are getting, you know, 
more playoff games. That's that's always kind of fun. Um, but and the thing is, like, you know, you the one and two seeds definitely got an advantage. We saw that because oh, when we had the old format, most the vast majority of the champions were you know the one or two seed. Uh, but it's not obviously as we saw this year. It's not impossible for a lower seeded team like the Chicago Sky to win it all, or you know the Phoenix Mercury to make it to the championship. So it, I feel like, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm just yeah. You can hear the disappointment in my voice. Um, I, I appreciate that the W listened to fans and players and coaches' concerns, but again, the execution left a lot to be desired. So. Yeah, I agree. I do think the one thing I like is the like getting rid of the reseeding because I feel like that was always just like a little confusing. And also, I think it's better for fans just to like know like what the bracket looks like and like okay, if my team wins this series, they're playing this team or like the winner of these two teams. Otherwise, it's like all right. So if we win, then if this team wins, we play this. Person. If this team wins, we play this person. And if this team wins, like it gets very confusing very quickly. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely hear you. Like I, <laughs> I it. It can be very so. I'm torn. It can be very confusing for fans and even like teams or whatever. Just trying to like kind of plan ahead. But um, I I do in terms of reseeding. I do like the aspect again of rewarding teams that did really well during the regular season. So so I am a little torn on that. But I definitely hear the concerns about it being very confusing. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So well, yeah. we've got we'll see how it goes when it goes into action this year yeah. the good thing is that like there's definitely lots of rumors swirling around expansion so this form is probably not staying very long regardless so yeah no it's a very good point it's kind of the, the x factor in all this yeah, yeah. <laughs> i feel yeah. like it'll be here but in the next <laughs> five years it's definitely getting overhauled anyway so yeah exactly exactly it's a very good point which is yeah. good news. I'm very mm-hmm. excited for, for sure. actual expansion talk to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. For sure. <sighs> All right. So I guess that's enough WNBA talk being we are a little removed from the season. <laughs> though free agency is not far off. So lots of stuff coming there, I'm sure. But we are in the thick of the college season now. Week two, I think we're in now. So week two, Thanksgiving tournament's coming up. Lots of stuff going on. Um, a Thanksgiving tournament where we might see number one versus number two. So that's definitely something to look forward to next week in addition to the holiday. Um, but wanted to talk about your top 25 that you're putting in the weekly roundup. I think, you know, it's a little bit different than the AP as expected, but I feel like it's always good to kind of talk through reasoning why you've got teams where they are. I mean, everyone has it, especially this early on. Like, it's so hard to make a top 25. So just one just shout out to you for putting together a top 25. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people have an appreciation for how hard it is to like go through and pick the best top 25 best teams and put them in order. Thanks, Megan. Appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, it's really difficult. I can only go it is. No. And talk myself into like eight different orders. So. <laughs> exactly. And you like, you hear sometimes coaches say like, oh, you you know they see themselves as like lower ranked in like a preseason poll. They're like, oh, the voters don't respect us. And yeah, maybe, but they the voters just don't have any information. So it's it's just a really hard task. They're not out to like disrespect like a team. It's just there's such a lack of information, and you're trying to 
you know, figure out who are the best 25 teams in the country and in what order. That's a, it's a very difficult task. So yes, I, agree. <laughs> I don't think I want to try to figure it out every week. <laughs> I want to complain about the polls, but not so much. Like I also like fully respect that it is very hard. So I don't want to, like, actually want to have to have a vote either. <laughs> now I'm worried about what I've gotten myself into about committing to doing a top twenty-five no, every week. Like, it's so early. It's so hard yeah, to yeah, early. <laughs> Yeah, I guess as it goes on, you know, things will solidify and we'll have more yeah. information to, to put together that list. So it should should not get any worse, hopefully, or more yeah. difficult. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not ending your job next week after all these, like, top six play each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> I'm excited for that basketball. But anyway, so you've got South Carolina, UConn, one and two. I don't know that we need to talk about that a whole lot, I think. Everyone's pretty much on the train that South Carolina and UConn are the top two teams in the country. I think you can try to argue your, your way into who's one and who's two, but at this point, I think it's splitting hairs. Like, they're one and two. And if I, can, I don't know if you feel the same way, a little bit in their own tier at the moment. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, South Carolina, they're just... <laughs> They're just phenomenal. Uh, I mean, anytime you go into Reynolds, like sold out Reynolds Coliseum and knock off a team like the caliber of NC State, then, you know, you've, you've kind of solidified yourself as one of the top, if not the top team in the country. Um, and then, you know, the next game they go and play South Dakota, who is not, you know, a power five team, but they're, you know, a really good mid-major. They're favored to win the Summit League. And they, they handled them, and then they took care of business against Clemson. So I feel like a lot of people had them either one or two, and um, yeah, by virtue particularly of that first game against uh, at NC State, um, I think they're kind of the consensus number one right now. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I agree with that. We haven't seen UConn against anyone quite yet. That's exactly. <laughs> yeah. More to come, but yeah. Definitely but, not trying to disrespect UConn. Like they're <laughs> they're phenomenal. It's almost yeah by virtue of who they who they've played and who they really haven't played yet. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I have to address that someone left a comment on the podcast that we're like anti UConn, and I just find that very comical because I co-host like one of the podcasts. On <laughs> <laughs> it's like pretty hard for this podcast. Podcast to be anti-UConn. Exactly. <laughs> I not be a fan on the podcast, but like, <laughs> <laughs> just over here reminding people that we do have UConn at two and we are not anti-UConn. Oh my goodness. That's, yeah, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> anyway, that gave me a good laugh today. <laughs> wow. Unreal. <laughs> <sighs> But yeah, so we've got the one and two. I think, like I said, not a whole lot to talk about there. We kind of know what's going on there. But I think your kind of three, four, five grouping is interesting to me. And maybe even six. I think I would throw NC State into kind of like this next group. We've got Maryland at three, Indiana at four, which had a really, really impressive win mm-hmm. over Kentucky last week. Stanford right. at five, of course, with that loss to Texas. And then NC State at six. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess I'll kind of start at the the bottom, so to speak. I'll start with Stanford. Uh, you know, they you know they lost to to Texas. Um, I feel like they are still, and this has been mentioned in various articles and social media. They're still trying to figure life after Keanu Williams. Um, she, I mean, in addition to being the, you know, the floor general, the point guard, um, she also shot 
38.4% from the three last year, which is sixth in the country. Uh, and then against Texas, Stanford, sorry, she did not, she was, sorry, Stanford shot 38.4% from the three last year, which is sixth in the country. And then against Texas, they shot four for 27. Um, you know, all the credit to Texas. They played great. They're a fantastic defensive team. They demonstrated that against the high-powered offense that Maryland brought to the table last year. Um, but I have a hard time believing that Stanford will struggle from long distance in that manner kind of going forward. So I feel like that loss, great win for Texas, but it's still you know, early in the season. And I feel like Stanford will kind of start to, to figure things out, figure life after Keanu Williams out um, with kind of their slew of guards weather. And I think, Megan, you mentioned this in, in one of your articles, you know, maybe you go to an Anna Wilson or maybe it's done by committee, uh, whatever they kind of decide to do. Uh, I think a team, the caliber of Stanford and with coaching of Tara Vanderveer, like I feel like they're going to figure things out and be, you know, at the top. So, you know, I, I think like preseason polls had them at three-ish and I, you know, kind of had them similarly. I didn't want to overreact to an early season loss against a top 25 team. So that was the kind of rationale there. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head with your couple points there. Like one, the, like the three point shooting, I don't think that's going to be a consistent problem for <laughs> this year. Like exactly. that could like, <laughs> Yes, credit to Texas's defense, but like they missed a lot of open looks too from three in that game. So that like I'm not pressing the panic button on their three point shooting. They're gonna be fine. And then like you said, they've got to figure out the point guard position. To me, almost like taking a step back, it makes it not really that surprising of a loss because you know Texas is gonna come in with this defensive pressure. You don't have a senior experience leader at the point who's really going to be the person that's kind of at the core of trying to break that pressure and figure out how to get the offense going through that. So you already have a problem, then you have a team that you're a matchup where it kind of exasperates that problem. And yeah, they lose the game, but I agree. They're still one of the best teams in the country, regardless. Exactly, exactly. Um, and then kind of moving to the team that kind of jumped the most, uh, Indiana, or one of the most, I know, like, in the AP polls, Arizona and Texas kind of jumped like crazy. But uh, Indiana, I had them at four, and they just looked so darn impressive against, they kind of blew out, or, you know, a really solid Ryan Howard-led uh, Kentucky team. Uh, their, their front court, particularly, Maine native represent. I'm originally from Maine, so point of pride here. Uh, Mackenzie Holmes, uh, she just you know dominates. She's just kind of she had a solid season last year. She's just elevated her game to another level. Uh, she dropped 29 on Kentucky. Um, it's a team that returns all five starters, uh, and and the, the crazy thing is they're not really you know a three point shooting team uh last year they were 318th in three point rate and um in three point percentage they were like 276th yet against butler uh cardano hillary hit seven threes so it just shows you you know just when you think you can just kind of collapse in the paint and just like um you know prevent you know drives and you know post up by homes uh 
they can kind of come at you from distance. So if they add that to their arsenal, that kind of you know long range shooting, then the rest the rest of the Big Ten and frankly the country should watch out because they are a force to be reckoned with. They made the Elite Eight last year, and if they kind of keep this up, they can make even a deeper run this year. So. Yeah, I think like 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 you said, they return everything from an Elite Eight team that's huge already, and then. They just played such a complete game against Kentucky on Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. I mean, both ends of the floor, just really, a really well-played game. I was extremely impressed with their performance on Sunday. They're actually my pick to win the Big Ten this year, which is maybe a bit bit of a hot take. But, I mean, they're also, like, right behind Maryland in the poll, so I don't know that fully qualifies as a hot take, but maybe the less popular pick at least. Um, I just think they get it done on both ends of the floor, which is something I won't necessarily say about Maryland. Like they're all fantastic, <laughs> but I still have a lot of question marks on the defensive end for them. So I think that Indiana does have a solid shout out winning the Big Ten this year. They're going to be a really good team regardless and a team that everyone's going to have to watch out for in March. Right, right. No, great points. And um, yeah, and then kind of a good segue to, to my number three team, Maryland. And maybe I've, you know, been, you know, dazzled too much by, <laughs> by their offense, which, you know, fair point. They're not, you know, the stoutest <laughs> defense, but uh, they do return, you know, 93% of their scoring on an offense that led the nation in offensive rating. That's, you know, uh, points per 100 possessions of 122.1. And that translated to points per game of 90.8, which is just crazy. I mean, that that game last year, Maryland versus Iowa, that was just phenomenal. It was like, a, it was a video game. It was crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the other kind of side of the thing, but, um, but I'm, you know, Mr. Glass half full. So it was great offense. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they return, you know, all five starters, Wusu Miller, who, you know, it, Hopefully, I heard that she kind of came out tonight during tonight's game, but then went back into the locker room. So hopefully they can get her at full strength uh, before they kind of run into the the crazy non-conference schedule that they have. I was looking at it. Over the next two months, they play like a veritable murderer's row of teams. You have (laughs) Baylor at home, NC State, Stanford, South Carolina, away at South Carolina, like oh my goodness, talk about kind of throwing, you know, throwing yourselves to the fire. And then that's all before their crazy, you know, Big Ten slate, which is arguably, you know, one of the best, if not the best conference uh, in the country. So, um, so yeah, I feel like what will be interesting, you know, with, with this, with this team is if, other teams can kind of replicate the Texas model last year where they really slowed things down against Texas. uh, They really slowed the pace down to the point where I think they only had like 64 possessions, whereas they, whereas Maryland averages 74 possessions per game. So really kind of slowing the pace down and, um, and out rebounding them. Uh, as well, not giving them, you know, second chances. Maryland was only three and three uh, in games where they got out rebounded. So I feel like that last year. So that's kind of a, a big key as well. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. Like as we saw with Iowa, it's it's you're not against Iowa. You're not. It's going to be really hard to 
outscore Maryland. You're not going to probably not going to beat them in a shootout. Uh, so it feels like kind of this Texas model um, might pay dividends for for teams, you know, for the non the tough non conference schedule that they play, and also the the Big Ten schedule. So, uh, but yeah, I have them at three because they're just you know phenomenal <laughs> offensively, and they return everyone. So. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, I think against 99% of the teams in the country, their offense is going to finish the game for them. Like, the fact that I don't care about, like, they don't like their defense is not going to matter against most people. (laughs) They might allow 67 points to all these teams, but they're going to score 97, so it doesn't really matter. (laughs) But I think when they get into these next few weeks and the kind of gauntlet schedule they have, that's going to be a really big test for this Maryland team because, yes, they can score a lot, but can they – one, stop another team enough to not get outscored because I think there are some teams in that slate that can compete with them in a shootout, possibly. And then also, can they find a way to deal with teams trying to slow the game down because I think that's what teams are going to try to do, especially when you get to a team like South Carolina. South Carolina is going to play that game as slow as they possibly can. So can Maryland find a way to fight through that and still get a win is going to be interesting to see. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and it, like you're saying, like Maryland, they really haven't been tested yet. But I feel like this, the those that slate of four games is really gonna, you know, give us a lot of information about who who Maryland is. Have um, they shored things up on on you know defensively? Do they still have kind of that offensive firepower? Um, you know, if they accomplish both of those things, then they're going to be right in the thick of it come late March, early April. Exactly, yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that's going to be interesting to see before they get into conference play. And, of course, they still have plenty of time in conference play to work on that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Pull out Iowa to score 90 <laughs> points and then score 100, though. That is fun for everyone to watch. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> right. So right outside of your top five, you've got NC State at six. I mean, a team I think also looked, fairly good against South Carolina, maybe better than I expected against South Carolina. So I feel like mm-hmm. kind of bring in that similar tier as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm not gonna, you know, ding NC state too much for, for losing to a team, the caliber of, of South Carolina and, you know, really kind of hanging with the, the best, um, you know, the best team in the country. Um, they, they've got, you know, the, the, you know, they've got Kunane, they've got, uh, gosh, a veritable who's who, you know, their, their backcourt sensational Brown Turner, Perez, Crutchfield, Johnson. Um, they're just in a couple of, yeah. So Johnson's transfer from Rutgers and also Madison Hayes from Mississippi state. So they just are, um, a really deep team as, as I, I think you mentioned that, like, as are a lot of like the top 10 teams, they're just crazy deep. So um, just a lot of, a lot of talent to go around uh, in the top 10, but um, yeah, NC state, you know, not going to overreact to a loss at home against South Carolina. So yeah, I had them at six. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense to me. I feel like there's almost like an invisible line kind of running against under them in terms of like a tears for me. It's like, there's like the clear one and two, and then there's this like grouping of 
four teams that are all on this like next level. And then I think beyond that, I've got a little bit more questions, but I think, you know, that kind of Maryland, Indiana, Stanford, NC State group is right there with the top. Yeah, exactly. Completely agree. All right. I feel like there's a couple more teams I wanted to hit on. In the AP poll, Louisville and Arizona moved quite a bit. You've got Louisville at eight, Arizona at 16. I mean, I think that's fair. Louisville lost in overtime on the road to a solid team. Arizona, I think, proved maybe that they are a little better than people thought they are without Ari McDonald. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Louis, it's, it's interesting. Louisville and Arizona are teams that are in very similar situations in that they both lost, you know, their star point guard and, you know, Arizona, Ari McDonald and Louis, Louisville, Dana Evans. Uh, so I feel kind of similar to uh, Stanford with, you know, Keanu Williams. I feel like they're still kind of each team's trying to figure things out offensively and frankly you know that arizona louisville game especially like the first quarter was really sloppy uh so and you know they kind of uh figure things out a little bit as as the game went on but i feel like both teams are really offensively trying to figure things out without you know life without their um their point guards star point guards from last year uh so uh honestly like I feel like they're two very evenly matched teams and it was on, you know, neutral court. So, you know, it was basically a toss up and Arizona, you know, won in overtime. Um, I think, I think Louisville has the reason I have them a bit higher than Arizona is I think they have a bit more, offensive uh, firepower with, you know, Van Lith and Engsler and Smith. Um, Then Arizona, I think with Arizona, I feel like I was reading something in the athletic. I think Chantel Jennings said something to the effect of, you know, they're, they're very solid defensively. You know, they basically really shut down Louisville, but who is their go-to player? Obviously last year, Ari McDonald. But who's kind of their go-to scorer in crunch time? Uh, is it Kate Reese? Is it Pellington? Um, Yaney? Like who? Who is going to kind of step up in the clutch? Um, and that I feel like that question really, you know, Arizona pulled out the win, but I'm not sure that and that question has been satisfactorily answered at this point. So. Yeah, I think that's fair. And while you could pose the same question for Louisville because Dana Evans certainly was that player last year, I feel like there's a little bit more of an obvious answer to point to where I think people think that Haley Van Leith is going to take that role. So it might take some time for her to get there, but I think there's kind of at least an obvious answer that people are like, that's where that's going. Where in Arizona, I don't think the answer is so obvious. So I think that kind of raises a little bit more questions as who's going to be the player that can really step it up on the offensive end. Right. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, like you said, with Louisville, there is kind of an heir apparent, whereas Arizona, it's, you know, unclear. Um, it kind of, Arizona is just so solid defensively, though. It kind of begs the question, does defense, can defense win championships? Well, it can probably get you pretty far, but I feel like you do kind of need that go-to score to kind of um, push you uh, deep into the tournament, if not, you know, raising the uh, championship trophy at the end. So, Yeah, I agree. I don't really see them as the final four repeater this year. I do think they'll do well in the Pac-12 still. I think, you know, outside of Stanford, you've got 
Arizona, UCLA, like teams that are a little bit more defensive minded. I think that's going to be interesting. I think obviously UCLA, you have a clear person to point to for who's going to take over McKenna, where he's scoring with Charisma Osborne. Don't have that at Arizona, but I do think like that kind of tier of the Pac-12 is still going to be that top tier and they're still going to do well there. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, one last team to talk about before we wrap it up. You moved Texas up to 17. Curious. I think we've seen them move maybe a little bit more in the AP poll. But to me, the team is like I, they put together a really, fun, a really solid de- defensive t- game plan. We saw it in the tournament last year against Maryland. The question to me is, okay, yes, they can upset someone because they can play defense. Do they have enough offensive firepower to actually be a, you know the top 10 team and really pull off some of these other wins exactly can they consistently kind of beat the the best of the best i feel like that you know despite their really good performance against stanford that you know remains to be seen um so so yeah that's kind of why i you know i i feel like texas was toward toward the bottom i think were they 20 or were they 26 25th in the AP poll before the game, something like that. They were in the lower portion and I moved them up to 16th. Thought that was still, you know, a pretty darn big jump. Um, but again, this early in the season with kind of Stanford's question marks, teams still trying to figure out their offenses without, you know, the stability of a strong point guard from last year. Um, I feel like it's not the time to kind of overreact and say, Oh, Texas, they beat number three Stanford. There are suddenly a top 10 team. I, I think we need to see more more from Texas, more consistency in being able to beat top, top competition um, in order to really move them into that top tier. Yeah, exactly. And I think we saw a couple of players really step up for them offensively in that game. They had a transfer off the bench that stepped up majorly, and then freshman Ray Harmon that played really, really well for them. But those are two new players. You gotta see it with some more consistency to be like, okay, they've got two really good scorers that are gonna, you know, win games for them night in and night out. Exactly. No, a hundred percent. It's it's in some you know, a lot of times with freshmen it's really it's difficult to, you know, bank on that consistency. So um, so great start. Let's see if they can keep things going as the season moves on. Exactly. Yeah. A team to definitely keep an eye on for sure. They could move their way into the top ten. I'm just not sold on it yet. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you, Adam, for coming on today. This was great. Of course. My pleasure, Megan. Anytime. Well, that's all for today's episode. Make sure you rate, like, subscribe, and review to the podcast wherever you are listening. Also, be sure to check out the stats site, herhoopstats.com. We have all the stats you need for the NCAA season. It's just $20 a year to subscribe. Also, make sure you're subscribed to our free Substack newsletter to get all of our content in your inbox and follow us on social media at Her Hoops Dots on Twitter and Instagram and also follow our YouTube channel. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>